He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Follow us on all our social media. On Facebook, we are the Zero Network. Go there, like that page, listen to archive shows, and leave comments. They give us feedback to let us know what we're doing. Also, follow us on Twitter, show handle at Zero Radio, my handle at Lorenzo T. Neal. Leave comments. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate everything you're doing for us. If you haven't done so, I want to invite you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and sign up for any of the tiers that are available there to you. Because this is Lister Support is show. And we appreciate your support. I appreciate your support. Also go to Lorenzo T. Neal. Order a copy of one of my books or all of my books. You will be blessed by it. I guarantee you. <laughs> and I'm so excited that you are thinking it. Not robbery to join us on this show today. Um, I, the Lord has been good and I'm gracious. I'm grateful and he's been gracious to us and i uh as you didn't know if you didn't know um this is i'm celebrating my 30th year in the preaching ministry i was actually called i accepted the call at the age of 12 but i was licensed when i was 16 and that's the year that i go by when it comes to uh acknowledging beginning a ministry whatever but I I celebrated 30 years. We had a little event, and um, I, I'm very grateful and thankful that I've endured this long preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's, you know, 
been a lot of ups and downs, and uh, uh, I can reflect reflect back over the 25 years that I've served in pastoral ministry. It's been very wonderful, very rewarding. But um, you know, some people don't last. <laughs> some people don't last that long, and then there are others who last a lot longer than I will ever anticipate lasting. But um, I'm grateful, and I did a celebration. You can go to my uh, Facebook page, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. You can catch a replay of that. And if you'd like to contribute a, a donation, um, you'll, I welcome you in doing that. <laughs> there it is. The preacher always asking for some money. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I just appreciate everyone who thought it not robbery to share in uh, that wonderful celebration with me. Actually, on the 14th, May 14th, is the actual day. And um, I was looking at the video not long ago from that. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, uh, thank God for change. <laughs> uh, my voice was nowhere where it needs to be. It needed to be. But then again, you know, it was only 16, so what could you expect? But anyway, I just wanted to share that that moment, and I'm grateful. So let's get into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I'm, I'm leading off with the story of the passing of influencer, YouTuber, Instagram influencer, uh, Kevin Samuels. This happened last week. It was confirmed that he passed away on May 5th. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about it. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, <coughs> Twitter went crazy. I mean, Twitter was off the chain reporting on his death and there were some disturbing tweets about people celebrating and a lot of people lamenting his his legacy and what he did what he said his approach to um, I guess his advice giving to women now full disclosure I have been following Kevin Samuels since uh, 2017, 2018, when he was just giving information to men uh, as an image consultant. And matter of factly, he greatly influenced my personal change. I went, I was, I was super cons conservative when it came to my dress. You know, strictly suit, tie, and shirt. You know, and when I wasn't wearing a, dra a jacket, you know, a polo shirt with slacks. And I had maybe two pair of jeans, and I don't think I had any tennis shoes, any sneakers that I can, that I wore recently. I had some a long time ago when I was a band director. You know, I needed it. Uh, but... I didn't wear – only time I really dressed down was like football games or basketball games when we had to, you know, we'd be a little relaxed. And by the time I turned 40, I was like, well, maybe it's a little time for me to change my direction. You know, I 
was a little tired of being uptight. Had one of my classmates passed away. And when he passed away, uh, right before we turned 40, right, right before I turned 40, I was like, my goodness, life is not promised. Let me relax. Let me live a little bit. And I just happened to come across Kevin Samuels. He was talking about cologne specifically on that particular episode, the different kind of colognes that a man could wear that would, you know, enhance <laughs> not just his smell, but his attraction to women. And, you know, I, I, I like, okay, I don't really wear cologne, but let me, let me try some. So I went and purchased one of the colognes that he uh, was suggesting that, and there were a couple of black men who were also doing some image consulting and, you know, giving men ideas of how to dress better. Now, I had no problems picking suits, ties, and all that stuff. You know, being a preacher <laughs> and a former educator, that was, hey, I, I still got at least a hundred ties that I could just run through any time. Bow ties, string ties, I got them right. But I, you know, I was looking for more of that casual, uh, dress casual kind of look. Not business casual, but a dress casual. And Kevin Samuels opened it up for me, yeah, and I started. I'd already had suits that fit my style. I didn't buy many off-the-rack suits. And, you know, he just helped steer me in a more casual kind of looking way. And I appreciated him for that. And then when he started, you know, he was, I followed him when he was directly talking to men. And he was telling men how to, you know, how to make the best of their lives, you know, investing in self-care, investing in, you know, stocks, bonds, savings, and things like And what was later coined, I don't know who coined it, but becoming a high-value man. Get your education. Uh, you know, if you do have a relationship, prioritize yourself in a relationship so that if anything happens, you know, you don't lose much. And, you know, he was he was really hard. And I appreciated it. I was like, and, you know, I was, because I was in this state of, man, I don't really want to date. <laughs> I don't really want to marry. I just want to devote my life to the church and just have a better sense of meaning. When it comes to that, and so you know, it, I was leaning more toward that way. I wasn't angry or bitter, but I was just like, man, right now I can focus on me and get the tools I need to be uh, financially independent, and all that stuff. I can leave the good thing to my god kids, my nieces, and nephews, right? And I can be valuable. And he was one of the persons in that arena at that time. And and then, uh, I guess, I don't know when it shifted. I never really followed him intimately like that. You know, I wasn't a devoted watcher of his streams. Every now and then I catch one. And then I noticed more women started coming in. And 
I wasn't really watching it because they started to get too long. <laughs> I wasn't trying to watch two, three hours of him giving advice to women. But every now and then I'd catch and I may watch a little bit. And eventually when the clips became more prevalent on YouTube, I, I think like many others, I begin to watch and I begin to see the interaction and the, and the advice he, he was giving to women or what insights he was giving to women. Um, and I can tell you, it was harsh. <laughs> it's definitely, as a pastor, not my approach. Definitely as a, a therapist and a counselor, not my approach. But, you know, it's... It was about entertainment as much as it was about advice, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, he blew up just like many other people did uh, around the pandemic time when people had more accessibility and time to put into watching YouTube, Instagram, and whatever other platform he was on. And they're watching this, and they're seeing him interact with these women, and, you know, he's very blunt, and they sometimes are reactive, some negatively, and some positively. But overall, the latter part of his career is what he has gained notoriety for, the fact that people say he was misogynist, a woman basher, and all of this. And others saying, no, he's just telling them the truth, and they can't handle the truth. And it really, <laughs> I don't know which perspective you fall under or if you even care about it, but black Twitter cared about it, and they, they went ham on, on him. Celebrating. It reminded me back. <laughs> there's this song. Um, at least, you know, back when I was playing for jazz bands and um, it was pretty popular. I'd be glad when you did. <laughs> if you know that song, it's a popular song. People used to celebrate when they, somebody they didn't like died. <laughs> That's how I was on Twitter with Kevin Samuels, and his death hadn't been confirmed yet. But once it was confirmed, um, you know, people, some people didn't let up. A lot of women were, uh, well, let me assume, and a lot of women were excited about it, happy he was dead. But, you know, it came, there was a, there was a good divide of those who were lamenting his passing and those who were celebrating it because in their eyes this devil was gone and there's a thing called the the manosphere and particularly the black manosphere where uh, men were expressing their uh, I don't know how to put it but you know relationships that that were bothersome you know, they were talking about it. And it was a growing movement on the Internet. <laughs> um, you had you have people like Dr. Uh, B.O.O.A., the Book of Afronomy, uh, Coach Greg Adams. You have um, Mediocre Tutorial and Reviews, MTR. You have O'Shea 
Jackson, you have the lead attorney. You, there are so many others I could name that I have been following over the last several years who seem to articulate a different perspective that men are experiencing when it comes to this idea of relationships, um, uh, financial integrity and management and growth and development and all this stuff. And they were pushing primarily younger men, men in their uh, mid to late 20s. This is their target audience so that they would not make uh, mistakes. Many of us who are in our mid-age life, you know, we're in our 40s and 50s and now we are either divorced or we're single, we're non-committed, and we're trying to stir those young men in a direction where if they desire to be in relationships, how they can have a fruitful one <laughs> without getting burned. And so this is where Kenneth Samuels was initially, and the women, I guess they picked up on that, and he that became a larger portion of his audience. And while he was coming across as, the, you know, condescending and all these other things towards women, these, these men who were watching were celebrating what they thought or perceived as women but being put in their place. You know, the term is modern women. And they were like, these modern women are being humbled. They're being put in their place. And the uncomfortableness of the conversations were what men reveled in, black men in particular. Yeah, I'm sure it's happening in, in uh, fair-skinned communities. But for the black community, you know, you have this argument that, uh, the black men are lazy, incarcerated, non-committed, and, and um, you know, just having babies and not doing any of that, uh, things that would ensure longevity, prosperity, wealth creation for black communities. And so while they were trying to address this from the male perspective, the black male perspective in particular, you know, there, were, there was the, also the topic of masculine toxicity and masculine and masculine, black male emasculation and all of that that was brought into this. And, you know, the conflict, wonderfully constructed conflict by other sources, you know, outside influences that created this great divide. And Kevin Samuels, the godfather as he had become known, was dead center in it. But um, there were a lot of other things that happened since he's passed, you know, as more information has become public um, on how he passed or and who he was with when he passed, you know, the rumor mill has been nonstop for the last uh, six to seven days. And I'm going to talk about this disinformation, misinformation thing that's happening. Um, 
but it, it really was prominent after Kevin Samuel's death. One thing I'll say about what happened with Kevin Samuel's his death, there's been an uncovering, the uncovering of difference and deference within the black community and the the quick appropriation of misinformation as fact, as truth, as reality. And it's, it's done a great disservice to what he was trying to do, what other people appreciated him for doing, and what his legacy will be now that he's no longer with us. And, of course, there are going to be plenty of men trying to fill in that void, that gap, trying to become the next Kevin Samuels. They think they figured his formula out. I don't know. You know, there were some people saying he died broke, and, and that later was has been disproven. People said the lady he was with... <laughs> may have poisoned him in revenge <laughs> and murder charges had been filed against her and that was later proven to be false you know uh, so much misinformation that was put out there and reported as fact truth and all of that and it's a it's a shame that that has it's happened like that but it is what it is and the only thing we can do is do our best to try to be our best but anyway um, I'm going to talk about misinformation disinformation at every level but more particularly <laughs> at the the federal level with the establishment of this new disinformation governance board we're going to talk about that uh, rest in in heaven and peace and life Kevin Samuels to his family is we give our condolences and prayers as they deal with the grief of losing a loved one and um, that's all I got about to say about that. <laughs> Going to take a quick break. When we come back from this break, we'll get into the topic of the day. The last two years have been trying for all of us, and many, including myself, have sought out help from the wonderful therapists at BetterHelp. With thousands of professional therapists available, you can get quality and affordable counseling from the luxury of your home on your computer, mobile device, or tablet from someone near you. Help right at your fingertips with BetterHelp.com.
Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Nell. Thank you so much for thinking in a rock. Not blah, 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 I can't talk. Not robbery to be with us today. We appreciate you so much, and we're glad that you're with Hither. What is going on with my talkers? Talkers. Talk. Y'all. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for joining us. Make sure that if you're listening, please uh, follow this show. Go to Zero Hour Network on Facebook. Like that uh, page. Follow us. And uh, continue to support us. Now, let's get into the, the main topic I want to talk about today. Last week, I ran out of time. I was going to talk about this, uh, but I wanted to focus on the leak from the Supreme Court regarding uh, the decision on Dobbs versus the state, I mean, stop, Dobbs versus <laughs> the Jackson Women's Health Organization, okay? That decision, or at least a draft of the decision, was leaked last week. And the impacts are still rolling over into this week. And uh, there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation from both, from all ideologies, all political parties were putting out information. And if you read Twitter, and I shared a few uh, tweets from a specific person last week about all the frigid and dystopian possibilities that could happen if this decision overturns Roe versus Wade. And of course, this has become the talking points from for a lot of um, more progressive uh, organizations and individuals. The fear that the court, the conservative court, <laughs> will overturn this could lead to so much other stuff. And in the midst of that, we learned that the Department of Homeland Security has come up with a working group to address disinformation presented to uh, people who are attempting to come to our country. Now, the Department of Homeland Security, which is headed by uh, Secretary, what's the guy's name? Um, Alejandro Mayorkas. I think I said that right. But anyway, so... Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Department of Homeland Security, uh, was was testifying before a Senate committee, and in his testimony, he said that they have put together a working group, uh, a board of disinformation governance, and the minute they said. The minute he said disinformation governance, it didn't matter the context, 
It didn't matter what specific things they were trying to rebuke. It didn't matter persons on certain sides of the political ideology ran with it and said, oh, my God, Biden is putting it together a ministry of truth. If you're not familiar with the Ministry of Truth, you have to go to read the book 1984 by George Orwell, in which <laughs> the Ministry of Truth was the governing committee or whatever you want to call for people's lives. Basically, monitoring every thought, every word an individual said that was uh, antithetical to what the government wanted people to think or say. And, of course, those who were more right-leaning ran with it and said that this is Biden's trying to control America. This is Biden trying to be an autocrat. This is Biden trying to prohibit freedom of speech. No context necessary. Just the fact that this disinformation governance board is there. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so when this was put out and, you you know, of course, it, it made headlines. It was part of the news cycle. And everything was chaotic from there. Um, uh, Republican lawmakers and, of course, social media, uh, YouTubers, all that, began to immediately come under this and say, this is an infringement on the Constitution, First Amendment of the Constitution, and all of that. And, uh, well, they're just trying to control you. Now, remember, um, when it, it doesn't matter who's president. There's always going to be all these persons antagonizing who's ever in office, you know, when it was in Bush, when it was Bush, you had the progressives say that Bush is trying to turn this country into a Christian country, and, you know, Republicans were saying he was not conservative enough, he was too compassionate. <laughs> and then when Obama uh, got into the office, of course you already know what happened, that and emboldened so many persons to just go crazy with, you know, all kinds of crazy conspiracies theories and social media was, social media was just evolving into the point where it is now and people were just saying everything and getting away with it. And of course, you know, uh, former President Trump was a leader in misinformation when it came to the Bertha movement. The idea that President Obama was not born in the U.S. and was not eligible, it was, you know, <laughs> was not supposed to be elected president, all of that. And, you know, misinformation has been a big part of the media industry. And, and now 
under Biden's administration. Oh, I, I can't, I can't negate Trump's famous phrase, "fake news." <laughs> you know, anything he that was neg- <laughs> I'm exaggerating, of course, but it seemed like anything that was negative reporting on him or his leadership or anything was fake news. And I have to be honest with you, there was a lot of misleading information being put out to the public uh, during the Trump administration. A lot of it on both sides. And so, to counter that, myself and others uh, were part of an organization called Pro-Truth Pledge. And you can go ProTruthPledge.com and you see what we were trying to do by helping individuals access, validate, and eventually put out uh, information that was uh, truthful and uh, uh, what else? You know, just trying to get to people to look past the headlines. And that was part of the problem. A lot of people didn't want to look past the the headlines. And we were trying to get people to think rationally. We were trying to people uh, get people to see that sometimes what you see on television, what you read in news outlets is not always truthful and honest. And we were just trying, you know, like, first, do a basic Fact check. Some stuff can be easily disproven now with a simple Google search. You know, the other thing is we were like, you know, get a balanced perspective. You know, don't just stay in your bubble. Get out of your bubble and try to get information from broader sources. And once you get information from those broader sources, check the credibility of those sources. Who are they citing? Where are they getting this information? And can you clarify, can you distinguish between what is opinion and what is facts, you know? And that's the problem for a lot of, you know, in 24-hour news cycles, what we've gotten down is one headline, and then a panel of commentators or pundits giving opinions, and those opinions become the facts, right? And that's why it's really, it's really difficult to discern what is actual truth. Aside from a headline of uh, a crime being committed, most times, the headlines, you know, the, the reporting on that will be actual, factual, and truthful. They're going to tell you what the crime was, who the suspects are, if the suspects have been arrested, or if they have not been arrested. They're going to tell you where the crime committed, you know, was committed. They're going to give you all that factual information. Right. But then when it comes to political coverage, that's where it crosses the line. They'll give you a fact 
and then uh, take that fact and stretch it out with opinions. And uh, not just opinion, but adjunct information that's associated with the actual fact. And by the time you, you know, and this is just within a a 30-minute news broadcast on most of these mainline, mainstream media outlets, you know. They're going, by the time you finish with these various panelists, the information has then become so diluted that the person's like, I don't even know what we're talking. What were they talking about again? What's the initial problem? What is the solution that they, if they're presenting anything, uh, what are other expanded facts? And this is where I learned: you have to be careful on who is called an expert. <laughs> and that's another thing. But you know, we were like, we want to encourage people to, you know. Learn truth, validate it, verify it, share it, make sure it's clarified, honor the truth, and then encourage people to do the same. Now, so we had a whole move, whole movement, and it's still available if you like to do that. Take the Pro Truth Pledge, go to protruthpledge.org, and you can sign up. And you can listen to a show that I did uh, not long ago. Uh, regarding this and why I'm encouraging you to do this today. Now, so I went to explore because, you know, all I was hearing was ministry of truth, (laughs) ministry of disinformation and all of this. And so I I went and I, I did my research and I wanted to know What's this really about? Because here's the problem. When the secretary uh, discussed this in the Senate hearing, he provided little to no further information on the purpose. He simply said, we put this together. And, you know, (laughs) because he didn't really put much information out there, um, he had to come back and provide a lot of clarity and he's like look this is this is specifically for the work that we do at the board why because that you know there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation being presented and so we want to make sure that persons at the border and of um, i guess <laughs> Other other places, you know, when it, especially when it comes to things like human trafficking and uh, drug smuggling, you know, we want to make sure that we can um, adequately fight against the misinformation and disinformation that's being put out there by these people, by these criminals, even by these countries that are encouraging this to breach our borders. Okay? So the uh, Department of Human, uh, not Human Services, (laughs) DHS, I automatically think, Human Services, you know, the the state and the local office. But the Department of Homeland Security um, 
put out a fact sheet, and you can go to uh, DHS.gov. I'm not DHS, but you can go to uh, their website. And I pulled it up here. Let me find it. Um, a lot of what I'm getting is from the website politifact.com. You can go there, and you can see. Um, so there's a fact sheet that DHS published, and let me pull this up real quick so I can share a little more information with you about what they were trying to accomplish with this uh, governance board. Okay, so according to it, it is DHS.gov. Wow, how smart of me. All right. So this is what they put out, a fact sheet, and this is in an internal working group protects free speech and other fundamental rights when addressing disinformation that threatens the security of the United States. That's the title, okay? The first thing it, it hopes to do... Um, is to account for false information that is deliberately spread with the intent to deceive or mislead um, a course, a, a course, all course. Um, department is focused on specifically disinformation that threatens the security and of the American people spread by foreign states such as Russia, China, Iran, other adversaries such as transnational criminal organizations and human smuggling organizations. Malicious actors often spread disinformation to exploit vulnerable individuals and the American public, especially during national emergencies. So, the border protection um, office customs or whatever it is that's their job to um, counter disinformation that cartels put out regarding human smugglers okay um, then it gives some more information about cybersecurity and infrastructure security that works with the private sector to mitigate the risk of disinformation. Uh, critical to U.S. infrastructure. Um, and then they're talking about because of what's going on in Ukraine. Um, now, this is, this is what it says. The department identifies disinformation that threatens homeland through publicly available sources, research conducted by academic and other institutions, and information shared by other federal agencies and partners. It is committed to doing all of its work in a way that protects Americans' freedom of speech, civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy. The Disinformation Governance Board is an internal working group that was established 
with the explicit goal of ensuring these protections are appropriately incorporated across the department's disinformation-related work and rigorous safeguards are in, perp- in, in place. Okay, so that's what it is. That is what is they're saying. This is not an infringement on individual rights or free speech, liberties, or anything like that. This is to protect us and those persons seeking to come into our country from the disinformation that other parties may actually present that is harmful. So why is this important? Why, why, why should people be concerned about this? Why has this been a big ruckus? Well, for one thing, you know, uh, the mainstream media has to make make a big deal about of it because if they don't, they don't get ratings, high ratings. You know, they got to be controversial. They have to have something to keep the American people in this sense of fight or flight, you know, that's basically what it is. We gotta keep the, they have to keep us anxious as if something is always on the verge of on the verge of destroying us, either internally or externally. And they do a good job of it. And from the and from the religious perspective, um, we know as those of who are Christians, if you're listening, you know how valuable uh, the scriptures are to our faith formation and information. And we also know how dangerous it is when, the in, when individuals or institutions misuse that and weaponize it against other individuals or institutions. Historically, we've seen that in various forms, from the Crusades to slavery to Jim Crow segregation to all other things. People were using um, religious expression as a means of dominance, power, and oppression. And that even meant, you know, calling people heretics when they weren't heretics. But... It was going against what the majority perceived to be real, true, and all of that. And I know some people listening may disagree with me with that. That's fine. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to agree with me on everything. Neither am I supposed to agree with you on everything. But that's the beauty of the type of um, uh, liberty that we have. And this means I'm able to do this show and give you various means of information, sources I try to cite as best I can, reliable, credible, and all of that. And, you know, even when I'm doing extemporaneous um, opinions and thoughts, my sources come from some. Those thoughts are derived from somewhere. And it is only my duty to say these are my original thoughts, but they are inspired by this source, that source, whatever, right? 
And when we're talking about disinformation, disinformation means it is countering things that we should know that could possibly cause harm to us, right? Misinformation is regarding things that we may know, but it's presented in a way that is misleading or outright false. Both exist, not just in, you know, in the world of the federal government, but also in the world of religious context and communions. And we're seeing, you know, there's, there's a growing lack of trust across the board in the institutions of the media, government, education, and even uh, religious communities. People just don't trust us. They don't trust whether, even if we're citing sources, those of you who are in academia like me, you know, you know, you got to cite your sources, but you also need to cite, uh, understand the source where you're citing, who you're citing, where their sources come from. You know, it's all about credibility. And misinformation, disinformation are very powerful tools when it comes to manipulating and controlling human beings, which is why we try to do our best to counter that, creating narratives that are not only inf informational, but also empowering and liberation and, and liberating. And, that, and that's what, you know, some entities just don't want. They want an ignorant audience. And I say in my intro, uh, you know, for us, ignorance is not bliss. It's not. It never will be. And so that's why it's important for us to control the narrative or not only control the narrative, but create narratives that are beneficial, empowering, and promote a knowledge that can transform, you know, what I always say every time I do this show. So, you know, I could talk about the person who's leading, who has been uh, tasked to lead this this governor's board. Uh, I forgot. Hold on. Her name is... Hold on, I had it just a second ago. Um, the person who leads this is Nina Jankowitz. She's the board's executive director. And, of course, by her being executive director, they have uh, those who are conservative have already come against her, she's come on the fire, and some saying she's just politically biased. I don't care uh, how unbiased you try to be, we are, we all have some bias, you know. But anyway, she seems to have 
a great deal of experience and expertise when it comes to this issue, which is why she is serving in that capacity. And while she, you know, I don't know what particularly I can assume what her political leanings are, but I don't know. And I'm sure it would be a stretch to make the assumption that she's more um, left-leaning. But that's neither here nor there. The whole thing that Republicans are having, uh, especially um, Southern Republicans, uh, well, let me just, no, not say Southern, just Republicans in general. Again, their argument is regarding one facet of that, and that's simply the free speech thing, you know. Uh, and they're not fully uh, articulating to the American public what it, what it is. And, and because of this, you, you, know, you have these people who are taking headlines and taking... 30-second sound bites and running with it, we got to do better. We can do better, and we will do better. But anyway, if you'd like to read more about this particular um, topic, again, you can go to politifact.com. This is the source that I'm citing, and they list their sightings, their sources on that um, I'll try to see if I can put a link in the description of this. Um, but if not, you can Google governors, disinformation governors board, and you'll probably come up with the uh, article from the PolitiFact. That's where I'm quoting. There are many other sources, and you have to learn to differentiate the two, you know, how much how trustworthy are certain sources? I already know if I go to if I go to something like MSN, I already know the slant, CNN, the slant, Fox News, the slant, townhall.com, the slant, you know, Reason, TV. Uh, I already know those slants, you know, the Young Turks. I already know where their slant and where their bias is. It's, so you have to be a little more careful in where you look in sources and whatnot. But anyway, when you do, and I'm advising that you, those of you who um, care for uh, not just freedom of speech and the First Amendment or anything like that, but if you value truth, not in its most purest form, but as close to its purest form as we can get. Non-subjective truth. Not what I believe to be truth regarding specific things. But when we read headlines specifically related to the immediate securities of the American people, we need truth. Opinions are good. Opinions provide greater insight into the truth that is absolute. And that's what we need. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, there is no absolute truth, such, such, yada, yada, so forth and so on. 
where we have to have a construct of truth in the absolute form. Because if we don't, everybody's opinion will be deemed as truth. And that is unhealthy <laughs> and unhelpful on many levels. But anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed this show. Again, thank you so much. If you haven't done so, I want to invite you to support the show. This is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and sign up for one of the tiers and support us as best you can. If you also hadn't done so, follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm on Instagram. I don't do much. But also, LorenzoTNeal.com. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. And we will see you next time. God bless you.